I'll tell you what, um, before we jump into stuff today, I just want to say I'm really thankful for the people I get to work with and the people I get to um, share ministry and life with. You guys are awesome. And, um, and just, I, I want to take a second, um, so Pastor Grace d- does those little intros for this series, and I think she does a great job with that. But also, today's devotional was written by Pastor Grace, and, and today I want to draw attention uh, to the fact, you, I know Amy said it earlier, there's a lot of teens missing here today because we have 51 of our teens and adults um, up at Camp Chautauqua. Um, just north of Franklin, and they're doing ski retreat today, so they're actually out skiing, and um, Megan and I had the opportunity to go up last night and be a part of their worship service, not be a part of it, but be there and and take it in, and it was just really awesome to see our teens worship, and um, this, this weekend's about fun, it's about getting to know each other better, but most of all, it's about getting to know God better and hearing from God. And and so uh, one of the things I want to share with you that the teens do, in case you guys ever want to try this, is when they, at ski retreat, when they start singing, everyone just comes to the front because they have to be close and involved. You guys down for that? (laughs) And in first service, like the people in the second row said, yeah, and nobody else said that. But, but yeah, so we want to pray for our teens. Would you just join me and pray for them real quick? Father, uh, we pray that you'd be with Pastor Grace, with all of our adult leaders, with our teens, Lord, with the 51 from our church, plus all the others from the district um, that, that are going skiing today and, and having services this weekend. Lord, I pray your blessing on them. I pray they would have a blast. I pray they would build relationships that'll last forever, Lord. But more than anything else, I pray that you would speak to our young people. Um, I I pray that you would continue to transform them and call them to be the people that you created them to be. And so I pray you'd be with them today, keep them safe um, from injury, um, help them to have a great time. But but Lord, I pray more than anything that you'd speak to them and that each and every one of them would come home having an encounter with you. The same thing for us today. Lord, as we hear from your word, as we continue to sing and praise your name, Lord, I just pray you would speak to us. We're not here just to go through motions. We're here uh, to, to worship you, to glorify you, and to hear from you. And so I pray you'd speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're in week three of our series, um, the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes. You you notice it's a little bit different um, because one of the things that that we're tempted to to do in religion and faith is to make it about what we do. And and if you look at the Beatitudes are from Matthew chapter five, it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon that Jesus preached. And the Beatitudes are these, the, the blesseds. Um, but it's easy for us to look at them and think that these are a list of things for us to do. We've got to accomplish this. We've got to make this happen. But that's not what this is. Jesus gives us the list of who we are, the be attitudes. Who, if we're followers of Christ, these are the things that will be produced in our life that we will be who God created us to be. So real quick, you notice this green wristband or bracelet, whatever you want to call it, whatever makes you feel good and tough and, and, and fashionable. These are at the back and these are available for every single person in here. Um, if, if we run out back there, there are some at each door. Some of you already got them. This is really just a reminder through the week as you're walking through day by day. Just that as you see this, you'll remember who God is calling you to be, what God's doing in your life. So today we're on the third beatitude, uh, Matthew chapter 5. And and so what I'm going to do is each one of these is just one line, and we always stand for the reading of God's word. So I'm going to have you stand, and we're going to read all of them up to today's 
um, Beatitudes. So um, here we go. This is Matthew chapter 5, um, verses 3 through 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You can have a seat. Um, I pray that the Lord speaks to you today. So, so we started, uh, Dale started the new year by talking about the poor in spirit and this idea that, that we can do nothing on our own apart from God to save ourselves. That, that we, we are poor in spirit as we realize who God is and who we are. We realize that we, we have no way to save ourselves apart from God. Um, the second one that we talked about last week is blessed are those who mourn. Uh, when, when you realize uh, your poverty of spirit, when you realize that you can't do it on your own, it produces this, uh, you know, this mourning, this, this crying out to God. And, and Jesus says, you are blessed. The word blessed here almost sounds like congratulations when you mourn um, because you will be comforted. Today, uh, we're, we're in verse five, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. So real quick, these beatitudes, they're countercultural. They're, if you made a list of what we value, what we think is important, this would not be the list. But Jesus gives us this list of who we are, who we are as followers of Christ, and, and it's this countercultural thing. And, and maybe you think like, well, that's just today's culture is different. No, in this day, this was countercultural. This was against everything that they felt and were taught. In fact, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, at the end of chapter 7, it says that when, when he was done speaking, the people were just kind of shocked and amazed because it was just different. And so Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Uh, the first thing I want to do today, I, I'll take you through this. The first thing I want to do is we, we want to kind of talk about what does it mean to be meek? What's Jesus talking about? Um, and then, then I want to talk about just... Um, surrender, and then I want to talk about the result or the reward, the blessedness of being meek. So here it is, blessed are the meek. What does that me, uh, word meek mean? Well, the word in, in Greek is um, pros or praus, and, it, and, and one of the definitions given um, by Strong's Concordance is, is mildness of disposition, gentleness of spirit, or meekness. So you heard some of those answers um, as Pastor Grace you know, talk to people on the street. They said, you know, quietness, humbleness, gentleness. Some of them said weakness. And one of the definitions that we have, by the way, we're kind of building this definition. One of the definitions is a mildness of disposition, a gentleness, like a humility. Do we have any, uh, any door holders in here? Like you just have to hold the door for people? No? Okay, well, I got a job to do then. Uh, so I, um, I'm a door holder. And, and honestly, sometimes I get stuck. Have any of you ever gotten stuck holding the door? So for some odd reason, I decided to go to the outlet malls with Megan the week after Christmas. I don't know what I was thinking. It was a bad decision. It was great to spend time with Megan, but a bad decision to go to the outlet mall. And so we go, and the first store we go to is Nike. And we walk in, and all of you and all your friends and everybody you know was in Nike. There were a million people in there. And Charlie and I, are, we walk in, and it took me about 30 seconds to say, Charlie, we're out of here. 
And so we actually left and then went and walked around the mall, just outside of the mall, because we didn't want to be in the middle of all the people. We just walked around the outside of the mall while Megan shopped. Um, But as I was leaving Nike, I'm going out and someone's walking behind me. So I open the door and I hold it and they come through. And then the next people come through and then the next people come through and the next people. And I mean, I just couldn't, I couldn't bear to say like, I'm, I'm not, you know, I held it for all them, but I'm not going to hold it for you. And so I just stood there forever as all of you and all your friends and all of Westchester Mason, Mason Liberty Township walked out of this door. I don't even know how they held a million people in there, but, but I held the door for them. And that, that's kind of a picture sometimes we think of as meek as this like, oh, this person that's just like, can't bear to, you know, close the door on someone or, you know, this, this softness, this, this timidness. Um, I don't think that's exactly uh, what Jesus is saying here. There's a piece of it. Uh, Let's face it, some of us are created a little bit more that way than others. Um, Some of us just weren't created to be quiet and soft and gentle. Nod your head if you know someone who's not quiet, soft, and gentle. So um, (laughs) Pastor Ben, who was like, two or three, two youth pastors ago, was one of my best friends. Um, and, and he just, like Ben was not created to be timid and soft and quiet. Some of you remember him, some of you don't, you weren't around. Ben had this, like, he just had this loud voice. And in staff meeting, he would start talking in just a regular tone and we'd be like, Ben, stop <laughs> yelling at us. And he was just so loud. And he just wasn't kind of naturally a, a gentle person. I remember uh, we played basketball one day in, in uh, Monday Night Basketball, and he came down the court, and somebody fouled him. I'm sorry if I've told you this story before, but it, it was a painful story, and I'll probably tell it a few more times, but somebody fouled Ben on the way to shoot a basket, and it made him really mad. It was not me. I, I want to clarify, I did not foul him. And, and he got really upset because nobody called the foul and he didn't get the ball. And so we go down the other side and they throw me the ball down in the corner and Ben's right in front of me. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to score right now. I'm going to take it to Ben. And so I did this little move and started dribbling around him. And Ben was really frustrated and, and being the not gentle, not timid person that he is, he just shoved me <laughs> into the wall and so I, I just, I mean, I'm just like dribbling along thinking I'm about to score and all of a sudden I'm in the wall and my shoulder's hurting really bad and that's Ben. And, and by the way, Ben is a wonderful, wonderful man of God. Just because he wasn't created timid and soft and quiet doesn't mean that he's not what Jesus calls meek. We all know someone who's the opposite, right? Someone who's really quiet, soft-spoken. Pastor Young Duck is like... I mean, he's just always so quiet and thoughtful. And, and, and so, so here's the thing. It's not about just the way that you were created. If you're this soft, quiet person, then blessed are you. That's not what this is saying. That's a piece of it. There are times that, that God will call you or direct you to be patient and quiet and soft. But, but it's Good news for the half of you in here that are loud and boisterous people, you're okay. You can be meek. And and so there's another definition. Um, In the ancient Greek, this word um, praus or pros, um, it, it also can be defined as strength under control. They would use this definition for like describing when they would tame a wild horse. So you have this big strong stallion 
and, and they would have to tame it. They would have to break it so that it would be this strong, powerful horse, but it would be under control. So another story, um, when we lived in Texas, we used to, there used to be a men's basketball league at our church. How many of you have had a hug from my dad before? He was the pastor before me. I'm sorry, I know some of you don't know him. My dad is just, I mean, he's my size. Um, and like, if you get him in the weight room lifting weights, he's not really that like powerful. But if you ever get a bear hug from my dad, like your spine just naturally aligns <laughs> when he hugs you. Like he, he's got just this bear hug grip. And when he hugs you, you're just like, ugh. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a small guy, and it, that's how I feel. Well, I remember this one uh, night they were playing basketball. It was a men's basketball league, so these are men from the church. And one of my best friend's dads gets really upset over a call and just loses his mind, starts yelling, starts going after the ref. I mean, it's a commotion. It's a scene. And my dad, who's this big, you know, bear of a guy, walks over, and this guy's just losing his mind, and dad just wraps him up. And holds him. And the guy's you know, squirming, ah, you know, mad, yelling, and dad's just like, I gotcha. That's kind of what I think of when I think of this strength under control. Uh, it, my dad wasn't angry. Um, he, he wasn't mad. He didn't want to punch the guy. He just, here I am. And so, 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 Meekness is, is not just a gentleness. There are times that God calls us to be gentle and soft and, and, and timid, but there are also times that, that we are strong and, and, and God calls us to be under control. But I want to, we're still building this. Meekness is not just us controlling our anger or our temper or our strength. Meekness is about us submitting. Listen to this, Strong's Concordance. I thought this was good enough to share with you. Meekness towards God is that disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. Gentleness or meekness is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. It stems from trust in God's goodness and control over the situation. The gentle person is not occupied with self at all. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit not of human will. So there's this idea, like there's the softness, the quietness, the patience, the, you know, the humility, but then there's the strength under control. I believe what, what Jesus is saying here is when we are completely surrendered to his will and his purpose, sometimes we'll be quiet. Sometimes it'll be that strength that we just have to control, but all of it is our surrender to a God that knows better. This is hard for us, isn't it? Nod your head if you believe this is a hard thing. To surrender, to be under God's, to trust that God's got it, to trust that God knows better than I do. This is tough. It's countercultural. Our culture does not celebrate surrender. Our culture does not celebrate submission. What do we celebrate? Share it with someone next to you. Come on, I want you to be involved. What, what do we celebrate? We celebrate strength. We celebrate power. We celebrate accomplishment, authority. I, I have this theory. Um, 
I, this is not about any certain person, but I have this theory that when, like, I listen to a lot of different people speak, and a lot of times your perception of how good a message is is based on what you think of the person giving it. So if it's like a, a young person that you don't really think of as very, like, respectable or strong, and they could give the exact same message as, like, you know, a Billy Graham or someone like that, and, and we naturally are like, man, that guy's awesome. And Usually they are pretty awesome. But, but we, have, we celebrate authority. We celebrate um, power. We, we celebrate all these things. Our, our culture just doesn't value submission. Think about popular sayings. Let's just go through some popular sayings. Finish these for me. Um, take the bull by the horns. Yes, so you got to do it. You got to take the bull by the horns. Uh, how about this? Nobody's going to give it to you. Take it for yourself. Uh, what about this? Look out for... Number one, how about this? Nice guys finish last. Only the strong survive. Our sayings, it's all, we don't celebrate submission. We don't celebrate surrender. It's not, it's not what we value in our culture. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, those that are completely surrendered, those that are soft and quiet, when they need to be, and those that are strong but under complete control of the Father all the time. Blessed are those that surrender. Uh, here's the thing, I, I think uh, we talked about, we need to talk about one thing real quick. In, in the first week, we talked about blessed are the poor in spirit, and Pastor Dale talked about the fact that, that there is there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. Being poor in spirit is realizing that we have nothing Nothing that can save us. But I, I want to differentiate that between weak. Because I don't think we were created as weak. The truth is, we do have some power. God created us with power and ability. But it's important to note that that power and ability can never save us. See, being poor in spirit does not mean that we are weak we have the ability to create an influence. So there's this, there's this thing that called influencers. Some of the most wealthy people these days are influencers. Do you know what influ influencers do? They influence. They take pictures and put them on Instagram and thousands and millions of people look at it and say, oh, I like her hair. I'm gonna do my hair that way. Or, oh, look, he's got those shoes on. I think I should buy those shoes. And companies pay people just to take pictures and post them on the internet to be influencers. I've, I've never been so uh, proud. I, I wasn't proud at all. Uh, my cousin works for Donato's and he said, hey, um, could we have lunch together, you and a few people, because I need some influencers that will try this new pizza and put it out there. And I just thought, uh, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> I, my last post on social media was like 2014 or something like that. But, but anyway, influencers, what do they do? They influence we have power to influence each other, don't we? In the, in the church world, a few of the high-profile pastors started wearing white tennis shoes and pants that were too tight for any man to wear. <laughs> and now every pastor under the age, I'll say under the age 40 because I don't qualify in that, every one of them has to have white tennis shoes and tight pants. Why? Because we have some influence, we have some power, right? There's a whole group called Preachers with Sneakers. It's a thing. 
We have power. What, what about political figures? Listen, this, Barack Obama had a pretty strong following, didn't he? Donald Trump had a pretty strong following, didn't he? That we have power. God created us with the ability to influence and have power. There's no doubt about it. I'm not gonna stand here today and say, you are completely weak. You can't do it. That's not true. God created you unique and gifted you with strength and power to influence. That's just the truth. The problem is, a lot of times we take what God gave us, the strength, this, this power, and we think that's supposed to be used for our own interest. And so we feel like we have to be conquerors. I have to achieve. I have to take what God's given me, and I have to make something of myself. I've got to be the best there is. I've got to be the best pastor there is. I've got to be the best businessman or woman there is. I, I've got I've to achieve. I've got to conquer. I, uh, upward basketball is going on this month and next month. And uh, it's just interesting how what we celebrate. We celebrate what? The people that score the points. The people that score all the points are the people that everyone talks about. It's all about conquering. It's all about being the best. And way too often, we use our strength that we were created with by God for our own purposes. See, our strength, we were created that way, but our strength can accomplish nothing of eternal significance on its own. I want you to hear this again. We, we, we live as conquerors, we can accomplish nothing eternal on our own. But under God's control, Romans 8 says we are more than conquerors. So let's play a little fun game. Um, I want you to interact with the people around you here. Name the 8th, ninth, and 10th presidents of the United States. Go ahead. 8th, ninth, and 10th presidents of the United States. Go ahead, name them. Share them with... All right, I'm not going to ask you to share because I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know, um, and I still don't know. I looked it up, but I, I, I'm not really sure. All right, so let's move to a different, um, some of you are sports fans. Name the 2008 um, World Series champions in baseball. Go ahead. All right, how many, how many of you had the Phillies? Anyone? All right, we had a Phillies fan here. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, and the reason I do that little, that little game is because we think about power and influence and conquering and, and gaining it, and we got to use these gifts that we have to excel and achieve, but the truth of the matter is, the people that held the highest position in the United States, most of us don't remember their names. The team that was the best team in baseball in 2008, I had to go look it up. I could have never told you that. I could have guessed we, see, we have this power that we're, we were created with, but we can e accomplish nothing eternal in our own strength. Nothing. That's where meekness comes in. Um, it's understanding that our strength on our own can't save us. We can be conquerors. We can conquer some things. But at the end of the day, that strength, that authority, that whatever it is you're chasing after, it's temporary. It doesn't last. 
And so just this, this idea of prowess, this idea of strength under control is realizing that we have this strength and this power given to us by God, but realizing that we can do nothing with it eternal without God. And so what do we do? We submit. When we trust that God's way is better than our way, when we realize that we can't do it on our own, we submit. A wild horse, it has to be broken or trained. It has, to be, it has to come to the place that it realizes that its way is not the best way, but the trainer's way is the best way, and it submits. That's this picture of meekness. Not that you're some weakling, not that you're this incredibly strong person, but that you're a person that says, his ways are better than my ways. And whatever he asks, that's what I'll do. That's meekness. There's this good example of this in John chapter three. It's talking about um, John the Baptist who came to prepare the way for Jesus. Um, his purpose was to prepare the way for Jesus. And, and it says um, there in chapter three, there's a point where John has all these followers that have started following him. He's got, got kind of his people. And, um, and, and John, they're following him. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes along. And when Jesus comes along, all of John's followers are like, wait, wait, hold on, that guy's getting attention. Wait, hold on, you're, you're losing your authority here. Hold on, like something's gotta be done because that guy, people are following him, not you. And, and John says this thing that's up on your screen that's amazing. He says, I came for him. His purposes are better than my purposes. And so John says, he must become greater. I must become less. He didn't fight for his power, his authority, his influence. He understood that God's way is the way. And so he submitted. I think that's a beautiful picture of meekness. Not someone who, who's going to fight to keep. Not someone who's doing it in their own power. But someone who says, yeah, I have some influence. But all of my influence is for his glory. He must become greater. I must become less. Listen, before we move into the last part of this, I just want to say that the temptation for me and the temptation for you, I know this every day, is to accomplish and to achieve on your own, to conquer, to be the best, to use the gifts you have to excel, to take the bull by the horns, to look out for good old number one, to do everything you can to secure your place and be loved and take care of yourself. Blessed are the meek, the surrendered, it, said, it goes on and says, for they will inherit the earth. I love this. This is so good. At first, I'll be honest with you, at first, I really didn't even know what to make of this. And the more I've thought about it and prayed about it and studied it, the more I love it. Blessed are those who lay it all down, who are strong, who are gifted, who have the ability to influence. Blessed are those who lay that down because they understand that his ways are better than their ways. For they will inherit the earth. When we stop living as conquerors for our own self-interest, when we surrender our strength to Christ, we inherit the earth. Let's talk about that word, inherit. What does it mean? Does it mean that you achieved? Does it mean that you deserved? Does it mean that you took the bull by the horns? Does it mean that you made it happen? No, an inheritance is something you receive that's freely given and so Jesus says, blessed are you when you surrender it all. 
because then you inherit the earth. The truth of the matter is all the things that we strive for, all the things that we try to conquer, all the things that we seek after, money, power, love, respect, all those things, guess who holds them all? God, the creator. He owns it all. And you can do your very best to achieve and to gather wealth and to do whatever. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being good at what you do. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy per se. There's nothing wrong with, with being in a place of authority. That There's nothing wrong with that. But there's something majorly wrong with it if you do it apart from God. Blessed are the meek, those that surrender, for they will inherit the earth. Let me say this another way. When we surrender all that we have... We gain all that he has. And what he has is far greater than what we could ever have. Listen, we fight so hard to be loved. And there's a God that created the universe that loves each and every one of us more than we'll ever know. We, we fight so hard to be secure. And there's a God that says, trust in me and I've got you. Blessed are the meek, those that surrender for they will inherit the earth. Listen, I, I don't know what you've been fighting for. I don't know what you've been struggling with. Worship team, come on up. I don't know if maybe some of you have just been trying and trying to achieve, trying to do it on your own. Maybe, maybe you've been struggling with just wanting more and more, wanting to, to gather something. Maybe you, maybe you struggle with security. Maybe, maybe you struggle with... One of the hardest things is when someone says something bad about you or challenges you and you feel like you have to, you have to, you know, protect yourself. Just surrender. Today, the response is the same as it should be every day, and that's to surrender all we have to God, the creator God who loves you. And who wants to give you all the blessings. I'm not saying you're going to be rich and have all the money in the world. I'm not saying, I'm saying God can bless you beyond what you ever desire if you put your trust in him. So here's what I want to do. We're going to sing a song and I want to invite you just to respond. I want you to be um, just praying and, and, and we're going to sing this song. And if, if God's speaking to you about something in your life that you've been holding on to or you've been trying to achieve or something you've been trying to do in your own power today, the response is simple. Surrender it. Realize that his ways are better than my ways, than your ways. And surrender everything you have. We're